2: Welcome to Spirit of Recovery, where spirituality and recovery meet, with Rev. Anna Schaus, Ph.D. Now, here's your host, Rev. Anna Schaus.
1: Welcome to Spirit of Recovery, the place where spirituality and recovery meet, where we support your spiritual growth in recovery. My name is Anna Schaus, and I'm your host, and I'm also going to be the guest today. We'll, we'll see how that works out. But I want to thank you all for joining us today. Thank you for listening, and uh, thank you so much for your comments and uh, on our Spirit of Recovery Facebook page. Thank you for liking our page and our posts, and thank you so much for participating in Spirit of Recovery. Um, thank you also for letting me know what's happening with you and your spirituality and recovery walk, and I'm very grateful that you let your friends and the people in your recovery community, your Unity community, know about us here on unityonlineradio.org. It has been wonderful to uh, broadcast here on the topic of recovery and spirituality over these last seven years. And um, I'm so glad to know that uh, what has happened here on this program has touched your heart and has made a difference for you in your life. Uh, as I have been announcing for a few weeks the spirit of recovery is going to continue with Reverend Lonnie VanderSlice, who's going to be the new host, and she's right here with us today, and she's going to be the new host starting uh, next week on March the sixth. But um, so this will be my last time as host. I was really getting the message from my higher power that uh, I would have been blessed by this, and it's time for me to let it go and put it in somebody else's hands, and so that I can move on and do some things, uh, some writing that's going to be supportive of the recovery community. So so, uh, I'm going to have a great time today. We're going to have the opportunity to uh, sh- walk down memory lane a bit and to share some things with you about my own recovery, and uh, it's just going to be a lot of fun. So, uh, every week here on Spirit of Recovery, we talk about topics that are important to the recovery community, and our guests have always been and are people that are down to earth, knowledgeable and innovative, people who are in recovery themselves, or who work with or write for recovering people, and there. Always bring in you practical information you can use and lively discussions that get you thinking. You can listen to Spirit of Recovery in a variety of ways. You can listen live via your computer, via your smartphone. You can uh, listen uh, via various platforms. You can go to Citra.com and download their app, search for Spirit of Recovery. You can Listen through iTunes. If you have an Alexa-enabled device, you can ask Alexa to play Unity Online Radio. You can also listen to the archives. We've got seven years worth of great archives. So those are up and will remain up, and you can uh, go back and listen at your leisure. I want you to know that Spirit of Recovery is a welcoming place so that if you're a person that's in recovery from any kind of an addiction or if you're the family member or friend of somebody that's got the disease of addiction um, and uh, or you're just the person that's curious about recovery and all that, what all that's about, you're welcome here. I'm very glad that you're here. You're welcome to uh, call in a comment or e- uh, email in a comment uh, for the guest and um, hear what they have to say about it. I always want to give a shout-out to family members because that's my situation, family members and friends. There is recovery for family members and friends so that we can let go of those enabling behaviors so that we can ground ourselves in our own lives and let go of our obsession with the person that's got the disease of addiction. So um, I always want you to know, too, that if you like what's happening on Spirit of Recovery and or many, many other great programs on unityonlineradio.org, you can make a financial donation. It's a nonprofit venture, and um, your financial donations make a big difference. They help us to stay on the air. So you can make a one-time or an ongoing financial donation to Unity Radio to 72727 from your smartphone. Again, my name is Anna Schaus, and I'm your Spirit of Recovery host. And again, today I'm also going to be the guest. And I'm a unity minister and an addictions counselor. And I'm also a person who has in my own circle of love and friendship many people with the disease of addiction. And over 36 years ago, those relationships got me started on an active path of personal growth and spiritual development. And so my walk uh, continues to be an integration of unity principles and recovery principles, and that keeps transforming my life. And it keeps me growing in ever deeper ways. So, again, I'm grateful. I'm delighted. It has been a major joy in my life and a real growth opportunity. Opportunity for these last seven years uh, to be able to bring you guests and to share these ideas with you. So today, um, we're gonna. The topic is grateful and um, gratitude really is the super highway to spiritual growth, and uh, it's not a one-time thing. That gratitude means staying awake and open to what makes us glad to be alive, and it. It keeps us discovering the value of our own lives. So again, I'm going to be the guest today. It's going to be interesting and um, and share with you what that means to me. So interviewing me today is the upcoming new host, Reverend Lonnie Vanderslice, and she was my guest last week and has been my guest several times over the years here on Spirit of Recovery. And... Um, She's a person that's in long-term recovery herself. She uh, has a wonderful story. You can listen to the um, Fe- February 20th, 2018 uh, program and hear more of her story. And she's very engaged in both the service in the recovery uh, community and through the businesses that she uh, co-owns and manages. So, Lonnie, welcome to being the new host. Uh, of Spirit of Recovery, and uh, thank you for being on here today as we make this transition and for interviewing me. Oh, I'll thank turn you. it over to you. Yes. Yeah.
3: <laughs> thank you, Reverend Anna. Um, so this is this is an interesting transition, and I know we're talking about gratitude today, and so I'm, I'm really interested to hear um, your perspective on some of those things. And so um, – You know, a little bit about you. Uh, I know that you are a Unity minister and the senior minister at Unity of Austin. And you're the founder of Soul Matters Consulting Ministry and the founder of Spirit of Recovery, this online radio program. You also are a faculty member of the Unity Urban Ministerial School. and You hold a Ph.D. in Communication, Human Relations from the University of Kansas and a Master's in Addiction Counseling from Hazleton School of Addiction Studies, and your ministry has focused on developing healthy relationships with self, God, and other people, and so this, your final Spirit of Recovery <laughs> program, um, you've got to have a lot of memories, a oh, lot yeah. of gratitude, so mm-hmm. I, uh, I'm i interested to, to hear about that, what, what this journey has been like for you.
1: Yeah, well, it's been, it really has been amazing, and um, today I took some time to just Look through, scroll through the archived programs um, since uh, September, uh, I wrote it down, September 21st, I think, of 2010 was the very first program. And I was really overwhelmed. I was amazed. Um, at. I was like, wow, well, yeah, I remember that, I remember that, I remember that. The, the different topics and the different people that um, have been my guests over the years and just the, the range of topics. It's uh, really touched my heart, and, and I thought, wow, this is rich. I did not realize uh, how much, you know, when, when I looked over it all kind of in one piece, it was like I I felt an immense um, – really, my heart really opened and, and welled up, and I'm like, that's amazing. Um, and it touched me, I guess, on a couple of levels. One is – just the variety and the beauty and the color that's available in the recovery community. I mean, there's so much. There are so many different sort of categories, so to speak, of of people, and and I can talk about that a little bit later. And and the generosity of everybody, everybody that's been a guest has been so generous with their time and their honesty and and their story. So it's it's just been amazing. I, I I'm almost without words to to describe it. It's been amazing.
3: You know, you said that there is so much in the recovery community, and there is so much out there. I read an interesting statistic um, that was recently published, I think it was last August, by the Pew Research Center, and you may Mm -hmm. be familiar with this. Over 46% of the American public has a family member or close friend that's addicted to drugs or has been in the past. That's almost... Almost half of us mm-hmm. and so you know we know that people um uh, with addictions and you know alcohol and drugs it's pretty easy to see that they need help but we forget sometimes that this disease of a and or the community that this person is in and so could you talk a little bit about what brought you into recovery as a family or a friend
1: sure absolutely yeah and um it it really is important. Thanks for bringing that statistic because I always say I don't I can't almost imagine anybody whose life has not been touched by addiction in some way. And um, I always say because it's as common as dirt and um, and it's everywhere. So uh, I I really am uh, grateful that I got led into the rooms of recovery. So my situation was um, uh, I was dating a man whose use of alcohol and other drugs were creating problems for me in my life. And um, I was talking to some people that I knew about that and complaining about him. You um, either they were loving and they were very kind and they listened to all this and then very gently sort of over, you know, I guess a period of, of I don't know, maybe a month or so, Uh, They started saying things to me like, well, uh, Anna, do you think that maybe uh, the problem could be that um, his use of alcohol and other drugs is is a problem? And I'm like, oh, no, absolutely not. He's just mean. And they were were very loving and kind of kept it up. And I I recognized even early on that after I would say things like that, that uh, what was frightening to me was because I had seen – uh, alcoholism in my own extended family growing up and I saw how destructive it was I saw people die from it I saw people kill themselves from it I saw um, families destroyed I saw um, poverty that was came uh, from the the alcoholism and I think it just really freaked me out it scared me to death to think that I how did how could that happen you know how mm-hmm. in the world could I be involved um with somebody that was maybe having having some problems with mm-hmm. uh substances so um anyway, so what occurred from that was um People, I always like to tell this story because i uh one one of these sets of people that was talking to me about this. There were a couple of different people in different parts of my life that were were bringing it up and um and I had no idea that these were people that were already in recovery of one kind or another i didn't i didn't uh-huh. know that so mm-hmm. but anyway, they could spot me a mile off but um <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, look at that that one okay. Oh. <laughs> so she she could use some help there so um but anyway one person uh i, I met at a workshop a, a man and his wife and he was a member of alcoholics anonymous and um his wife was a family member in recovery anyway i'll never forget this that they sat down at a meal with me at this weekend workshop which wasn't a recovery thing it was something else but and he told me his story and um in a very gracious loving way and i was like it just kind of opened my mind and opened my heart, and uh, very shortly after that, uh, he was like he had a he was a had his own little plane, you know that he flew around just as a, a hobby, and very so very shortly after I met him, he died in a plane crash mm. in a plane, and um, I'm always grateful that he passed on the message to me before he left earth plane and mm-hmm. um, that that's always really um, touched my heart so um, anyway what what kind of basically happened was that I um, after folks were talking to me and I was kind of feeling like okay I, I think they're they're on to something I need to check this out I went to to um, The local treatment center where I lived, and um, they had, this was back in the early 80s, and uh, at the treatment center, they had what was called a concerned persons group. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I always love that. Yes, we were concerned. We were concerned. Anyway, so this was for the family members and friends and whatever. And bless their heart, I had no money. They let me come for free. It was amazing. So anyway, so I went and... um, and they convinced me, you know, that I needed to engage in a recovery process and engage in a program myself. So I did. So uh, myself and a woman um, from the group uh, went. We got up all of our courage, and um, we went to uh, an open meeting of Alcoholics Anonymous. We we had no idea what we were doing, so we didn't make it to the family program. We didn't know. We just, we just got somewhere. So... Uh, we went, and um there were and it was was in a like a house it was in a an alano club, and um so it's what was an old house and anyway, so we walk well, you walk into the uh, to the entryway there, and there were these gigantic pictures of the uh founders of Alcoholics Anonymous, one of Bill w and one of dr bob and i I saw that, and I was like. Wow, I have I have sunk to the bottom now. This is a cult. <laughs> <laughs> this is bad. <laughs> but I walked in and, and it wasn't a cult. I, I, I was uh you know, all these people were sitting around and back then everybody smoked and it was like you could hardly see or breathe. But um and uh and I thought I don't know what this is but this feels so familiar to me. I love these people. They it just it just feels like home. <laughs> and I thought, it was wonderful. And I I couldn't tell you what anybody said that night, and again, it was an AA meeting. It was not a family member support group, but but I, it was everything I needed to hear. I needed to hear everybody's stories. I needed to kind of, quote, look behind the curtain and understand from uh, the other side what was going on because I was convinced that this man I was dating was out to get me, and I was convinced that he sat up late trying to figure out how to mess up my life, and uh, that was certainly not true. Um, uh, I under- started – that was the beginning for me to start to really get that this is a disease, and uh, people do what they do because they've got a disease, and it's not about me. So mm-hmm. it was huge. It was a big, mm-hmm. big beginning, a beginning of my awakening, and I'm I'm grateful. I'm like, I don't even know how I made it. You know, I don't know how I got there, but God got me there, but it changed my life, absolutely turned it around.
3: So you landed in this place, so you felt mm-hmm. like home. Did yeah. you dive right in, or did you um, kind of have to talk yourself into participating?
1: No, I loved it, and the other thing that was funny was, um, uh, again, God always knows what God's doing, even if I have no clue, personally, but um, if I go through the open doors, it all works out. I had a friend who, uh, knew a woman who was, again, an, a member of AA, not a family person um and not in a family support group but this friend of mine said you should talk to her she can really help you so um i did Uh, i started talking to her and i call her my first uh sponsor so i would uh go and it all sit for hours she was very gracious um and talked to me and i and i was then i would i did i went right ahead and start going started going to the family support meetings um but um i would talk to her she was the one that i was really talking to and that was the best thing in the world for me because she a she had me reading the big book of alcoholics anonymous which is a wonderful piece of spiritual literature i love it and i read it still to this day and um and and she would tell me she told me her own story and she had quite a story and um I needed that because she had really been to the bottom and had resurfaced excuse me a couple of times so um so she really again i for you know I just needed to get it that it was a disease. You know, mm-hmm. that it wasn't, it wasn't willful. It wasn't because people were immoral. It wasn't because they were bad or anything that they really did have a disease and, and because she would ex- tell me her story and explain to me kind of what had been going on in her life and what her recovery meant to her, you know, and she was, uh, really making a a good life for herself. And she didn't it wasn't that she didn't have problems. She did. And that was important to me too. She wasn't like floating around saying, Oh now it's all perfect. She sure had problems. She was human. But she had a solution and um she had uh, a real spirituality, not a churchiness. Um mm-hmm. in fact uh she would take me uh to the Episcopal church, there was a Wednesday night healing meeting. And um she didn't go, I don't think, to church any other time, but she would take me to the healing meeting and her advice to me was, Anna, come late and leave early and don't talk to anybody <laughs> She said just because because you just need to be there for the, the the healing part for the holy part. But if you start talking to all these people there you'll just find out how they're just all messed up because they're just people and just just don't get involved just come <laughs> and just so then I ended up being a minister but that's another story but anyway so I always laugh about that but um but she was wonderful and um, I think that I always had the sense uh, within myself that uh, my kind of Inner vision, which I don't know that I ever shared with anybody, was I want to be the kind of person that's got, like, spiritual stuff stuck all over my refrigerator, you know? I want to be that person so that when people, like her, so that when people walk in my house, they get it that somebody else lives here just besides me or some other people. They want mm-hmm. I want them to know that God lives here and that mm-hmm. there's hope. So... Um, yeah, it was great. So I did. I got really involved in, you know, everything.
3: So was that the central message of your early recovery, that you have to get God hooked up with God?
1: Yeah, I think it was. And and I was grateful for that, too, because um, I'd always been searching for God. And I was raised in a religion, which, you know, I got some good stuff out of that. There was a lot of it, too, that I left behind as a Young adult, um, and then I went searching, you know, in all the different sort of new agey type things in the human potential movement. And again, that was good. I, there was a lot that I got out of that, but um, but I still, I was like, I don't know, I I I wanted something I. I think exactly what I found in the recovery community, I wanted to know that there was a link up with a higher power with a God that could do something. That it wasn't just like somehow one way or the other I have to say the right words or do the right things or, you know, meditate long enough or anything. I want to know that there's something that cares about me that's going to make something different in my life because I need help here.
3: Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. yeah. And so how would you describe recovery? What, how would you define that? Hmm. How do you know when you've reached it? <laughs> well,
1: I'm not sure if you ever get there exactly, okay. but, but, the, um, you know, what, what I have, I've heard people in the recovery community say this and I like it that, uh, recovery is about, in, if you look it up in the dictionary, the word recovery just means, uh, salvaging something, uh, re- reclaiming something that is of value and, um, I think that that's that's really true for me, that I would say that, that it's like claiming something that's a value. And I know I felt like, um, I never felt like my life worked out. It was always sort of a puzzle for me. So in some sense, it wasn't like um, I really was looking for something that I'd lost. It was more like I was looking for something that I knew was inside of me, but I didn't know where it was, and I didn't know how to connect with it. So, um, yeah, it's re recovery and I do believe that re- it's recovering um, in the sense of not that you're always like in misery tr- sort of trying to get better, but that there's layers and layers and layers of riches mm-hmm. inside oneself that if you keep after it and keep using the principles that there's more richness and more riches and more richness that reveals itself.
3: So you've talked about the um, the different layers and you've talked about how, you know, people in recovery are still human and still have problems. Um, what were the recovery practices that you always lean back on at that point or even now? And, and perhaps when you yourself hit one of these turning points, um, how did you choose what to do, where to go from there? Well...
1: Um I guess I, in a way I have a couple answers to that. I guess the most foundational answer uh, is the the slogans, the recovery slogans. That Those were the first things that uh, really helped me um, when I engaged in my recovery process. And I still use those slogans. They ground me. Um, so like let go and let God. That's my very favorite one. Let go and let God. One day at a time. Live and let live. And easy does it. Those were like the foundation for me. And it's like, if, if things get too confusing or too whirly, um, that's always what, you know, like brings me back in. And I, I like to swim. I like to swim laps. And, um, so sometimes I'll use that when I'm swimming a lap. I'll just repeat a slogan to myself, you know, when I'm, when I'm swimming and mm-hmm. I get out and I just feel good. So, um, that was one of the, the foundations and it still is, um, sort of, you know, back to the go to. Um, I guess in um, in the larger sense, and I did certainly uh have utilized the steps, those principles and um, the twelve of the twelve steps and have utilized those many times at many different levels. So that um, is that uh is another Response to that is that, um, and I find, to me, I think of the steps as like a ladder, and because they're principles, and so you can take, um, you know, like a ladder, you can use a ladder to get you from the ground to whatever the next level is, or if you've got a multi-story a fair, some kind of building or something, and you got a way to put it, you can take that ladder up to a higher level and it'll take you up higher. But the ladder may not change, but where you put that ladder and where you're going with that ladder, um, changes. And so, um, I love the steps because they, um, again, I've used them in a lot of different areas of my life and, um, and a lot of different levels, but they work. They absolutely work. And, mm-hmm. um, because they're about honesty, with honesty, openness, and willingness, and um, so that's powerful. And mm-hmm. and I've also reached out and and needed to, and I'm grateful for that. You know, reached out and for um, lots of help from um, in the psychological arena, and I have read. Every book that anybody ever wrote in the 1980s (laughs) on family dynamics, I think. Um, And it's been wonderful. And uh, listened to every John Bradshaw program and um, went to tons of professional conferences. I wasn't even a professional. But um, back in the 80s and early 90s, there was a real um, upswing. And what was going on in the recovery community in terms of addressing the family dynamics. And it was wonderful. And, and anybody could go to these conferences. And I learned so much and went to, um, quote, inpatient uh, treatment for codependency um, and uh, learned so much. So I'm really grateful for the people that went ahead of me that were the pioneers that uh, that stuck their necks out to uh, engage and, and create. Uh, opportunities for people that are family members and friends, because it is a family disease. It affects the dynamics of a family system. Um, I'm so grateful for them. And some of them really, you know, a couple of them, Sharon Wegscheider cruz if anybody's ever read her books, talks about yeah. how she got fired from a place um, for wanting to address family members' issues.
3: <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: So, you know, not, it wasn't always that rough, but but that was her story. So I'm just, so I'm really grateful.
3: Uh, so, when I entered recovery, I was not grateful. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, the gratitude developed later after uh-huh. a long time, and there were several ups and downs in the midst, you know, where, turning places, where I had to choose between complacency and perseverance. I'm interested to know if your journey had some of those places.
1: It did, and I'll, um, I I think... Um, this is kind of funny, but I think it was, I, I, I got married a second time. I was already divorced before I got into recovery. Um, and, and that marriage was. Uh, had been long over, and then after I'd been in recovery for I don't know, like maybe seven or eight years, um, I remarried, and I married a person uh, that was also in recovery on the other on the substance uh, recovery side of things, and um, I think at that point, in a way, uh, I was ready to pu- I call it pulling up my rock and have a seat and and uh, and be the recovery queen and tell everybody else how to do it. And mm. um, the, the good news is that the marriage uh, went sour very quickly. <laughs> and so, <laughs> <laughs> truly, that was good. That was a gift, really. I didn't like it at the time at all, I'll tell you. But mm. uh, it was, and it was not because uh, there was any uh, relapse and or whatever. It was because of all those other issues that often go along with um, the uh, substance abuse recovery. Issues and with the family issues, so um, mm-hmm. it it was just wow. Okay, I guess I have some things to work on here. So um, and I again, I didn't like it at the time. It really uh, plunged me into some years of some real darkness and some like wow. What? How are we going to deal with this one? Um, but it was wonderful because it it pushed me off my rock mm-hmm. and and it pushed me into I think a place where. I started, started to get it about surrender.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and I'll, I'll say this, too, is that the, the man that I was dating, where I got propelled into recovery, um, went on with his life and, um, you know, that my little – uh, fantasy of this perfect little situation did not occur, and I didn't like that either. But I'll tell you, that was an amazing gift because early on I admit that I really would have thought that if I, if he had chosen to go down the road I wanted him to go down, um, I would have thought I had done that. I would have. Mm-hmm. I'll be, I, was, I was that arrogant. I had no idea. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, I believe he's got a higher power and his life is fine, but I'm grateful that that it went for my own sake and that it went the way it did because I needed to get it that it's not about me and I didn't mm-hmm.
0: know. I
3: mm-hmm. didn't. So, why don't we hold that thought at this point? Um, and we're going to be taking a little bit of a break now. And so, when we come back, maybe you'd start us with a serenity minute. Sure. I'd love okay. to do that. And then we'll continue talking.
0: Thank you. Your soul wants five things. Your soul will thank you.
2: What got you started on your spiritual path? Minister and radio host Paul John Roach says his path began when he heard George Harrison of the Beatles talking about Hindu philosophy and meditation. Paul John writes about it in the current edition of Unity Magazine. And don't miss the interview with Eben Alexander, the neurologist whose near-death experience led him to write Proof of Heaven. It's all in the September-October edition of Unity Magazine. Go to Unity.org and click on Publications. So welcome back to Spirit of
3: Recovery. We're glad that you're here today. And if you're just now joining us, our topic is gratitude. My name is Reverend Lonnie Vanderslice, and my guest today is the outgoing host for the show, Reverend Anna Schaus. And so, Anna, uh, would you lead us in our serenity minute, minute?
1: Sure. Thank you. So I invite us to relax and to feel that presence of the higher power to let go and Allow ourselves to open our hearts and minds and know that God is here. And share with me this constructive idea. I'm grateful to know my higher power loves me. I'm grateful to know my higher power loves me. And now we take a moment in the quiet. friends for joining me in the serenity minute and i trust that that was an opportunity for you to relax and open your mind and your heart and make that conscious contact with the love that your higher power has
3: for you <laughs> thank you always helps to take that minute and mm-hmm. take a breath yeah so so just before the break Anna, we were talking about um we were at the place where we were talking about these years of darkness that, that uh, these events had plunged you into and learning about surrender. At what point did you get connected up with unity? Was it during that time frame? Um,
1: actually, it was, it was a little bit before that. And I'd kind of had some different people, like even way back when I first entered recovery back in the early 80s, in 81, actually, um, talking to me about unity and saying you might like that. And um, I went in some different places that I lived. I uh, went, and it didn't really catch for me. But um, the woman that I mentioned earlier uh, that I called my first sponsor gave me a subscription to the Daily Word, Unity's little meditation magazine. And I loved it. And I read it, and it's so positive And I thought, these people are like wigged out, but I like it because I think there's <laughs> something good going on. So I'm like, okay, I don't understand it, but I'll read it. And I did, and I would call Silent Unity sometimes, the 24-hour uh, prayer line. And um, you know, I was reading different things and whatever, but I did not really start attending a unity church until actually right after I uh, got into that second marriage, and I was living then in an urban area where there was uh, a unity church that was available, and that's when I really started um, attending and when it really caught on for me. Mm-hmm. And um, <clears throat> and so it was there when the marriage fell apart and when I was, you know, going through my valley of the dark, and um, I'm really grateful because it, again, it opened up a whole new level for me of mm-hmm. connection with God, my higher power,
3: mm-hmm.
1: and, and, po- and constructive thinking, <coughs> constructive
3: mm-hmm. thinking. Mm-hmm. And, and you've talked more than once about the network of people that, that support one another in recovery. Yeah. Um, and so you, you added a whole uh, another group of people when you joined the Unity family. That's true. Mm-hmm. So so what led you into becoming an addictions counselor?
1: Well, um, I was already I uh, went to ministerial school in ninety three and nine to ninety five and got ordained and was uh, serving in ministry and. Um, I had always, or not always, but for a long time, I had had a connection with Hazelden, found which is a, a treatment center in Minnesota, which literally did, literally wrote the book on um, treatment according to the 12-step model. And um, so they've been around since the 19... 19- Forties, I think late 40s in Minnesota and I've always enjoyed them and they you know publish a lot of literature and have a very good reputation so I had started <clears throat> already going to their they have a place called the Renewal Center and mm-hmm. I would started going there just for anybody um, in the recovery program could go there for retreats so I really liked that so they kind of in a way, been a part of my world, but I had never, ever sat around and thought, gee, I want to be an addiction counselor. That had never dawned on me in a conscious way. But um, in 2008, um, I decided to take a a breather from ministry for a while and just sort of step back and um, renew myself. And I don't know, truly, I think God flew the idea into my head somehow that Hey, I could go to Hazelden, and they have a a new program, a new master's program in addiction counseling that's accredited, and it takes a year if you go full-time, and I could do that. So... um I went, and I think I went because um, I really wanted to delve more deeply into uh, what recovery is really all about. And it was great. It was a wonderful experience for me. It was good to take a breather out of ministry because it can be a high-stress job, and Mm -hmm. um, you're kind of on the line all the time. And so it was great just to step out of a leadership role for a while, just to be one of the folks and Mm -hmm. – with my fellow classmates, and I learned so much. Um, It really broadened my mind to understand that, yes, there are a lot of ways that people recover. It's all good um, to really get out of the rigidity, to learn a lot of facts, and also just the fellowship with my classmates. And um, uh, in my internships, I learned a lot, and um, I keep my credential up. I don't practice, you know, as a uh, in a treatment center or anything, but I use all of that information all the time through Spirit of Recovery and through um, what uh, – in in church, I use it all the time, that understanding of the dynamics and so forth, and, um, and also in very specific ways, like if there's people that really, you know, ha- want to talk specifically about their personal situations, I use it. I teach uh, in the ministerial school, the urban school, and uh, teach – the substance abuse class sometimes, and also always included in the other classes I teach in the self awareness class, and it makes such a big difference. So I'm really grateful for that uh, background because it's it's enriched my ministry. I don't think mm-hmm. I could be doing ministry if I um, a wasn't didn't have a recovery practice myself and and program, and and b if I hadn't uh, done that. I don't I, I i got some better sense of boundaries. Uh, from doing
3: that, and it's really helped a lot. So it's enriched your own recovery as well.
1: Big time. Yeah, huge. Huge. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I used to laugh when I was in school because most of the people that are in school, not everybody, but there's some folks that are from the family side of things. or some people that... Um, Think they don't have any connection to addiction personally? Ha ha! Of course. Why would they be there? But anyway, but most of the people that are uh, in school for addiction counseling are people that are in recovery from substance uh, mm-hmm. counseling. So we would always joke. I joke, you know, when we get to the part where we we're studying like the biochemistry and stuff and all the different, um, you know, chemicals. I'm like Miss Little Goody Tissues and naive, and they would all laugh. <laughs> and I'd say, "Y'all have to help me. What does this do? What does that do?" <laughs> and I said, "Y'all have an edge. It's not fair." You i on these tests because you know about all this stuff, and I don't. Anyway, it was funny. Yeah, you but need some street friends. <laughs> that's right. I need street friends. So it was funny, and it was wonderful. It's just wonderful to be with people in recovery. It was just mm-hmm.
3: wonderful. Mm-hmm. So I noticed you said that was in 2008 when you started school there, but yet you started Spirit of Recovery in 2007. How did all oh, that work? 10,
1: 2010. Oh, 2010.
3: 2010. Okay, I'm yeah. sorry. I misunderstood Seven that. Years. That's Seven true. years. Got it. Okay. Yeah.
1: Oh, and I so, got yeah. Well, talk about that. I, okay, after I graduated, um, I think Unity Online Radio had just gotten started. Maybe a couple of years before that, I'm not sure, but right around a little bit before that, and um, Dr. Charlotte Shelton, who was the CEO at, at uh, Unity headquarters at Unity Village at the time, was she was looking around for some different things uh, that Unity could be done at Unity Village, and so at one point she was exploring ideas about one way or the other, supporting people in recovery. And so she, she knew I had just graduated, and so she and I were talking, and I'll, the bear thing didn't pan out. But she said, why don't you start a radio program on recovery? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, huh, I never thought of that. Um So I did. You know, and there's a process. You apply, and you write up your uh, prospectus and so forth, and you do a, a test uh, run and so forth. So I, I did, and um it was – it was great. It was it pushed me. I mean, it was like, "Okay, I never thought about doing radio. I don't know if I can do this. I mean, I talk a lot for a living, but um I don't know if I could do this on the radio. But so it pushed me and it pushed me to be visible and it pushed me to be um, assertive, I guess, about um yeah. But people that are on the family side and the friend side, we're in recovery too. And I got a little pushback on that once somebody, uh, not a guest, somebody else challenged me and they said, Well, you're not even in recovery. I said, Excuse me. Excuse me. This is recovery. And I thought, Wow. You know, it's important, uh, for people that are family and friends to, um, understand that we too have a recovery process and that our lives are on the line. Sometimes it looks like it's, you know, just the person with the substance abuse mm-hmm. concerns, but no, family members, we die from this stuff too. We die mm-hmm. from it emotionally and psychologically and sometimes we, our stress levels get so high that it does not help our physical health and, and, mm-hmm. you know, there can be stress related illness. So, not to mention that um, we're just annoying and irritating to everybody around us <laughs> and poking our noses and things that are none of our business. So mm-hmm. it's really helpful when, when we get in recovery and we get to have a life. That was the gift for me. Oh, I get to have a life. I don't have to run around out there fixing everybody. Mm-hmm. What a relief, you mm-hmm. know. They're relieved, too. They're glad, too, for this so it was great and i've had great guests you know i, I as again i said earlier t- tonight today i looked back over it and i've had people that are artists these are all people in one way or another connected to recovery recovery themselves or therapists or writing most of them are in recovery themselves students in recovery um young people in recovery unity ministers in recovery um a man who uh who does uh, Uh, releasing racism work uh who is in recovery and recovery propelled him into dealing with his white privilege and his racism therapists writers the lgbtq community um abuse survivors i had marilyn vandenberg former miss america talking about her recovery um it's just been amazing a lot about spirituality a lot about prayer uh people i you know and and Sometimes I, I'd be like, where, that was my biggest fear when I started is like, where in the world am I going to get these people to be guests? Mm-hmm. How's this going to work? And, um, you know, God said, you, you know, a lot of people, Anna, just call them up. That was the biggest challenge for me is having the nerve. I always felt like well, I'm bugging people, but they were very generous and I don't, if, if anybody didn't want to do it, they didn't tell me. They were very gracious and um, accommodating, and I am so grateful. I'm just appreciative of everybody. You know, that was my guess, and appreciative, too, of all the people that listen. And I know that, you know, I'll never have any idea um, who's out there listening. Um, sometimes I uh, I do hear, and I know Um or I see stuff, you know, on the Facebook page and whatever. But I'm just it's just been amazing to me, and it's really made me come out of another layer of my shell. And mm-hmm. uh, it hadn't always been comfortable, but it, it pushed me out there to say, you need to get out there and be of service. So it's been amazing.
3: Yeah, they say that growth is at the edge of our comfort zone. So <laughs> <laughs> we get the opportunity to practice that sometimes, don't we? We do. We sure do. Yeah. So I'm are there any...
1: So, Charlotte, oh, I say that. I'm grateful to Charlotte Shelton for suggesting it. So, thank you, Charlotte.
3: Anyway. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, is there anything in particular that you um, learned that you want to share about the last seven years in terms of what you learned from hosting? Or do you just kind of put a bow on that?
1: Well, let's see. I guess, um, I guess again, like I've learned that... Um, that it's okay that if you want, if you have something, um, that you feel is a value to share that to just do it, you know, and don't get caught up in your perfectionism or worrying about it or, you know, anything that it's really not about that, that it's about just taking the risk to step out and that mm-hmm. it'll work out. And, um, that again, I've learned that just the amazing array of the enormity of the recovery movement and the richness that's there and that and um and there's just so much, and I, I guess just learned, I learned a lot about the recovery advocacy, uh, movement. I knew a little bit about that, but people, like the, the documentary, The Anonymous People, and there's a lot of different things going on now, the faces and voices of recovery, and lots of different things where, uh, people are stepping out and, um, and, uh, advocating for, you know, reform and so forth in, uh, laws and services that are available to, uh, People in recovery and a lot of advocacy for community resources and all that stuff. There's a, I, I learned at an even deeper level that there's a lot of good people out there doing a lot of good things and it doesn't matter whatever's going on in the world is going on, but recovery works and uh, people recovery fa- recover, families recover and, um, and it's all, to me, it's all spiritual and that cannot be, stopped you know that's mm-hmm. always going to be there and it's just amazing amazing mm-hmm. yeah so what's
3: um what's your hope for the show for spirit of recovery yes
1: i hope that it will um continue and thank you for saying yes to step out and and be the new host um I when I really was getting the message, I was just feeling like, you know, I've got a lot of stuff on my plate, and there's some things I want to do in terms of writing, and I know that I can't keep doing this and do that. So it was hard. I had to make some choices and really take some time to pray about it and reflect on it. But um I was real clear that I didn't want it – I didn't want Spirit of Recovery to die. And I thought, well, mm-hmm. you know, I can't control that, but I can make an effort here. And if it does, if it dies, it dies and whatever. But um but I I want to see it uh, just continue to flourish because I know that it touches people. I know that it reaches people, and I know that um, it matters, that there are a lot of people looking for um, uh, inspirational material, looking for hope and looking for experience, strength, and hope. Uh, one thing that I've always tried to do on the program is to really see recovery in that broad perspective, to, um, again, talk talk to a lot of people that are in long-term recovery, talk to a lot of people that have dealt with a lot of the life issues that show up when you're in recovery. And, again, a lot of the creativity, the writers, the, the musicians, a lot of the musicians on, the um, uh, visual artists, the novelists, a lot of that kind of stuff, people that write plays, people that made movies, all of that um, to really help people see that um, recovery is a rich life and and filled with so much possibility. There are a lot of podcasts out there uh, which are about, I think people you know really talking about their sort of um, recovery, story, their early story, and sort of, you know, kind of the the nitty-gritty and the hard stuff and all that, and, and the recovery, and that's good. I, that's good. That is needed, too, um, and this has been different, and, and that's, you know, because that was really the vision that I felt like I got is to, to really help people understand in this big, huge context what recovery is, and some of that's come from my own life, and some of that's come from... Um, my experience with Hazelden and mm-hmm. and going to school there and um, meeting people there and understanding um, that there's a whole lot to this. It's a real big world out there, and um, nobody's got the right answer. And there are a lot of people that have a lot of amazing solutions that mm-hmm. work. And, and to yes, <laughs> open the keep keep the door open. It just and that's always and that's what I would hope to see. It is just to keep the door open so mm-hmm. that uh, people can come here to this program and hear things that are going to enrich them.
3: And so I know there is life
1: after recovery. Absolutely. You yes. bet there is.
3: Yeah. So, so there, mm-hmm. there is always hope. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you, uh, Anna, starting this, um, making this venue available for passing it on, for um, allowing me to step into these big shoes to, um, to carry the message forward. And I appreciate that um, so much. And about you sharing your journey and the fact that there is recovery for family and friends of those that have the disease of addiction. You know, your, your honesty and your open heart gives so much just giving of ourselves. And so, um, you know, I want to, want to thank you again for that. You're welcome. And for all our listeners, um, you know, I know they're going to miss you and perhaps you'll be back at some point in time. Time for another visit with us, but uh, our listeners can connect with us and can connect with you at the Spirit of Recovery on Facebook. And so you can link through there to the unity f m website. you can post on the walls, and I just started a discussion forum there, a group that if anybody wants to talk about what's been chatted about on the on the uh show, you know we'd be happy to entertain uh, discussion there and so you can join us next week next Tuesday at four p m central for our show titled "No Pink Clouds here: Keeping it Real." Our guest is Rev. Kelly Isola about her journey into deeper faith. And so I want to say thank you to everybody for listening. Thank you, Anna, for, being, for starting this Spirit of Recovery and for being a part of today's show. And remember that you are a blessing. You'll be in our prayers this week, and let your heart lead the way. Thank you so much.
1: Thank you. Thank you, Lonnie, and thank all of you for listening, and thank all of the guests for all these years. And I love you, and God bless.
0: Stop to think that before you can love anyone else or expect anyone to love you, you must first love yourself. If you're in the habit of putting yourself down, you may make it difficult for others to accept you. Why not choose instead to see yourself and others as God sees you? True self esteem belongs to the one who looks in the mirror, not to criticize or admire, but to see past physical appearance into the essential child of God reflected there. The one who moves past fear and discomfort. To look deeply and lovingly into his or her own eyes should be able to share that look of love fully with another. Accept the person you are, risk sharing yourself with others, and then watch how you grow. This law of life is brought to you by Unity. To find a Unity Church near you, visit www.unity.org. Walking the Talk, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. We talk to the animals, and we know you can too, on the Animal Communication Podcast hosted by the three of us, myself, Julie Heert, Karen Dendy-Smith, and Meredith Tolleson.